You're listening to the Brooklyn USA podcast, an occasional audio love letter from Brooklyn to the world. Each episode of our show rounds a different corner of life in Brooklyn and delivers stories, sounds, and scenery from the people and places that make it home. And until the light changes, we'll be waiting at the intersection of infirmary and infrastructure on a corner we've been calling 1920. Today it's April 17th, and tomorrow there'll be sun. Hello, you're still listening to the Brooklyn USA podcast, an occasional audio love letter from Brooklyn to the world. In part one of this episode, we listened to Radio Quarantine, a community radio station streamed live from Kolkata to the farthest reaches of the internet. Now, in part two, we'll hear from the farthest reaches of our net, friends and family from around the globe who sent in words of hope, joy, inspiration, and the sound of home wherever it's been made. Here's their audio love letter to Brooklyn from the world. Hello. Please leave a message after the tone. Hello, I'm Taha Ahmed. I'm a visual artist and a documentary photographer based in New Delhi, India. I was born and brought up in Lucknow, capital city to the most populous state in India, Uttar Pradesh, where I'm right now stuck under a COVID-19 lockdown. Though the COVID-19 is still an outbreak in India, not a pandemic, Indian Prime Minister Mr. Narendra Modi declared a nationwide lockdown starting midnight 24th March, Tuesday, 2020, explaining that it was the only way of breaking the COVID-19 infection cycle. This led to a social isolation of 1.3 billion people, putting the world's largest democracy at a halt. Though a lot of people got some good time to spend with their families, they got some good time to spend upon themselves, they got some good time to complete the work which was left, A larger section of the Indian society, which is below the poverty line, was deeply neglected and impacted. With a large part of India's workforce being employed in the informal sector, according to the International Labour Organization, the underprivileged professions in India adds up to 90% of this workforce. Though they contribute to half of the GDP of India, these people still have no income security, they have no health care, they have no essential food supply and they have no work from home system. They survive on daily wages that they earn, and the lockdown has ended their means of financial resources. This led to a mass migration of these underprivileged workers from metropolitan cities like Delhi, Bangalore, Bombay, back to Uttar Pradesh, the state where I live, Bihar, Madhya Pradesh and Jharkhand. These workers, along with the elderly and the children, walked hundreds of miles on foot under the scorching sun with no food and water. At a lot of places, they were helped by Indians who came out of their houses, taking all precautionary measures to feed and help these people. The police, however, was a source of attention here, as they helped these people at some places and clashed with them at the others. Even after all of this, a large part of these people from deprived class were left homeless and hungry. There have been heartbreaking videos coming out where in a recent one I saw a man drinking milk which was leaked from a milk container passing by. He was drinking it along with the street dogs. There was another footage that I saw of him in which he was collecting the milk in his palms. A lot of deaths have also been reported and the lockdown in India has been termed unplanned by a lot of media sources and activists.
Today, I want to speak with you about coronavirus and what it means for you and your family. While changes need to be made now, this is not how we will live forever. Our children will return to school, people will return to work, we will gather at the places of worship, concerts, and sporting events again. I urge you to stay connected to family and loved ones through the video chats, phone calls, social media, and other safe technologies. Please be sure to follow CDC guidelines, which can be found at coronavirus.gov or cdc.gov, along with other information and resources. Stay safe. And remember, while many of us are apart, we are all in this together. Hi there, my name is Carla and I live in Alicante in Spain. As you might know, um, my country is uh, one of the most affected ones. The government is um, following the recommendations of experts in the way to stop uh, this pandemic to boost more. But at the same time, the, the right wing is been putting a lot of barriers and effort in things not to work as planned and create discontent among, among citizens. So, for instance, the, there's, it has been proved no, that, the, that uh, they have been uh, making up stories and fake news and you know that at least 70% of Spanish citizens had received one of them in their mobile phone. So imagine the, the social impact, no? Um, on the other hand, the government has been taking measures uh, to cover social needs for the more vulnerable sectors, freelancers, workers, rents, householding. Um, but still it's one of the countries with more strict confinement rules and that is um, affecting a lot, no? The, especially elder people and kids. Uh, but well, I have a nice story on this. Uh, one afternoon, my boyfriend and me watched the, the Goonies with Juan's nephew, who's seven years old, from the distance. So we, the thing is, we were watching the same film in parallel from both houses. Um, so we could see the, the kids' reactions in the same moment, and that was really lovely. So despite of this isolation in which we live in, or precisely because of that, I appreciate every little gesture, human gesture. Some people do not say hello back, but others, like the butcher, um, always has a nice tip or recipe for me while he's cutting the ham. I should say that I'm a very privileged person. I live in a house uh, without balcony, but uh, with really nice and clear views. Um, and a regular day consists in uh, we wake up and we have breakfast. I take a picture from the um, the window in the kitchen and then we work and in the afternoon we play the guitar. Well. Juan plays the guitar and we record songs and then we dinner, have some wine and we watch a film which uh, we really love. And so we, um, we created, uh, we have a band that actually started in this um, situation of uh, COVID-19 in a kind of inescapable way. It had to happen. He was playing guitar and Juan told me, hey, let's make a song. And I answered that uh, I don't really have a clue no, and I don't have a nice voice. But we finally did it, and we right now we have seven published published songs, sorry, which are uh, mainly ironic lyrics on this situation. Others more optimistic, and we always have time for a nice and true song, like even love songs, no. I like to send a warm goodbye to all of you in the other part of the globe, and please do not forget the importance of uh, community during and after this situation. Nunca lo di por sentado Los pájaros son formidables 
Greetings, this is Marin Dagnu uh, from Crown Heights, transmitting from Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, here in Africa, East Africa. I arrived here about three weeks ago at the height of the epidemic. I couldn't go back home to New York. There was no work, everything was suspended, and I had family here in Addis, so I arrived here in Addis, where I was quarantined for 14 days on arrival. The pandemic has a different face um, here and a different feel. Uh, things seem to be a little bit normal compared to what I've been reading and hearing from my family in New York. There's still a lot of uh, social distancing that is promoted um, through the media, but as well as the normal phone calls that you make, um, the ringtones or uh, are actually um, messages that are pre-recorded from the Ministry of Health about washing hands and, and everything. In terms of lockdown, there hasn't been a lockdown per se. There's just been some um, social distancing and minor cutback in um, and, um, uh, and workers that are not essential. But other than that, it's business as usual most of the time. And we are right now two days away from Easter, the Orthodox Easter. So there are some markets that are open. I would say there is a, a 10% chance you might see people wearing a mask on the streets. Um, gloves, not so much so. Um, there is a door-to-door um, COVID uh, screening, not testing, but screening, where they will come in, health um, workers will come in, uh, check for temperatures, for signs, ask you questions about where you're coming from, where if you had any contacts with people that came from the outside as such. Um, it's been quite difficult since there has been no work, financial burdens, as well as not being able to move around as uh, we would like, and then going back home and receiving uh, news uh, from back home of people getting sick and um, dying. Um, but I've been uh, pretty much uh, meditating. I've been coping because I've been increasing my time for meditation, uh, prayers, type of work like yoga, walking, and basically talking to family. Um, and that's basically pretty much what I've been doing to, to be uh, coping uh, here in Addis Ababa, wishing everyone um, a safe and protected um, stay. And I'll see you guys soon. All right. Cheers. The last picture on my phone is actually um, a snapshot of a confirmation page that I had from the New York um, State Small Business Administration for the disaster loan for the payroll uh, paycheck protection loan that I had made. And I basically took a snapshot of that page. Um, hearing that the government is actually out of money, so wish me luck. Hello, I'm a U.S. expat living in Quito, Ecuador, where I own and operate a brew pub in the historic center of the capital. We here in Ecuador have been on lockdown now for over a month. There's a nationwide curfew at 2 p.m. and folks are only allowed to drive one day a week to pick up essential items. It's been reported that this country is one of the hardest hit in Latin America, which I think is distorted a bit due to the situation in the heavily populated coastal city of Guayaquil. 
It's in Guayaquil where the virus has created a nightmare situation that has caught the attention of the international press. Hospitals overrun, corpses being left on sidewalks for lack of mortuary services. It seems the result of a disastrous combination of government unpreparedness and restriction non-compliance by part of the population. I've gotten a lot of messages from friends and family abroad asking about my well-being in the country because of this media attention. Usually Ecuador is pretty much ignored by the international press. Anyway, here in Quito, things are much less apocalyptic. The number of reported infections is not exceedingly high, although no one really believes the official figures as testing is not widespread. Regardless, life continues to crawl by one day at a time. A major worry is how long this crisis will last and how it will affect the economy. My pub and brewery has been running at about 10% capacity as we try to scratch out something of an income based on the few delivery orders that drizzle in daily. The tourist sector has shriveled to nothing, and labor laws here prohibit me from letting employees go without paying three months' severance. Thus far, there has been no real government plan to assist small businesses like mine. So basically, I'm on my own. But there are millions more who are on their own and who are in much more dire economic straits. A major percentage of the Ecuadorian population survives on day-to-day commerce and has no savings to get through this. This creates a very volatile situation, which will only get worse if people aren't allowed back to work soon. Add to that the fact that the government is pretty much broke and had already been rocked by popular protests back in October when it tried to implement IMF austerity measures, and you have a situation which goes way past a public health emergency. Last night I dreamt that I was alone in the middle of the ocean, floating on my back for three days straight. I wasn't agitated or afraid, but rather strangely calm and pensive. I would submerge myself in the waters which felt like silky winds running over my body. Not sure what to make of that, but the last photo on my phone is of a beer bottle chandelier that my girlfriend and I made for the pub. I guess we're just trying to put some of this time to use by making random renovations with the materials we have at hand. It's made me really value the important things in life. Things like love and hardware stores. Hi there, my name is Inigo and I am in Amsterdam, the Netherlands. How are things in here? Well, in my case, I can't complain. My family and friends are healthy. Some of them got the virus, but they all recovered from it. I have a small apartment with a balcony. No work at all at the moment. Plenty of free time. I spent four days probably with my son. Uh, homeschooling him, because all the schools are closed in the country. So we spend a lot of time uh, drawing, watching documentaries on volcanoes, on sharks, on dinosaurs. Uh, we bike once per day in the park, like four or five miles. Plenty of food around in the supermarkets. You can also do uh, takeaway from most places. Uh, plenty of toilet paper, everything is fine. Some lines in the supermarkets, definitely lines in the coffee shops. Uh, the situation is not under control, but from what you get in the media, it seems to be quite okay. The main priority seems to be the economy, economy and economy. I mean, this is a very neoliberalist country. Hospitals are packed and people are dying like everywhere else in Europe. Uh, almost nobody's being tested here. I guess it takes a lot of money and it could put the numbers higher, something the country probably doesn't want. It's quite a huge contrast because uh, I was in Peru for the last uh, month and a half was visiting some cacao plantations there in the jungle, in the Amazonia. And then uh, when we were coming back to Europe, uh, we were locked in uh, Cusco. It's a quite uh, high altitude. 
and there is a total lockdown in there, soldiers on the streets, you can only go out to do groceries, your temperature is being checked, uh, curfew, no alcohol, um, completely different situation than here. The president in there is doing, I think, a very good job. The question is, how long can a poor country like Peru keep on doing this? Uh, here for the rest, everything is fine. My community, I mean, nobody has work at the moment. We all work in the cultural sector, but the government is giving us some money for the next three months, hopefully arriving in a few days. We all have uh, health insurance, there is food, everything seems to be fine. We just have to stay home. Not everybody wants to comply with that. But for the rest, uh, in my situation for my community, this is uh, quite okay at the moment. The only worry I have is my family in Spain, because my parents are uh, 70 plus. They are definitely not healthy. They have all the issues they could have to get complicated with the coronavirus. All the hospitals are packed in the place where they live. This is in the north of Spain, in the Basque country. I read today like more than 30% of the nurses and doctors are infected and it's pretty it's pretty bad in there. So they have been inside for like six weeks. I call them every day to cheer them up. And that's it. I mean, you have enough shit already there in New York. So just uh, stay healthy and uh, <laughs> stay the fuck home, guys. Take care. Hi, my name is Piotr and... I'm recording this message in Moscow. The city has been under quarantine for a few weeks now, and the measures have gotten progressively more stringent. Most recently, it introduced a system of electronic passes, which means that if you want to leave your house for any non-critical reason, critical reasons being you need to go to an emergency room or something, you need to fill out a form online with your name, passport information, you know, the reason you want to leave the house and get a pass on your phone that you'll be able to show to police officers that randomly check people on the street. Um, and you can only do this two times a week. So I use the pass to travel from my house to my girlfriend's house, not too far from here, you know, maybe 45 minute walk, but you can't walk anymore. So I take the taxi. The most difficult thing for me during this quarantine has been um, the closure of all public spaces, um, you know, parks, boulevards, anything with a tree, basically. Um, so you can't jog anymore. And I, I, I would really, I would really love to just, you know, go on a long walk or a long jog or something by the river. But all things considered, things haven't been so bad for me personally. Um, I don't know anybody um, that's sick. Um, I work in academia, so even in regular life, spend a lot of time self-isolating and working from home. Um, I still have my job um, and my salary. And I realize things are a lot more difficult for, for many people. Um, most Russians don't have savings. Lots of people are losing their jobs now, including my girlfriend. Um, but we'll get through this. Um, and I think we should take this time to, um, you know, think about the important things in life, right? Our human connections. Um, 
you know, things we really value uh, and try to come out of this as better people. Um, I'm sending my love and support to friends and family in New York. We'll get through this. Stay strong, stay safe. Um, love you. 大家好，我是武汉市的一个普通市民。Hi everyone, I'm an ordinary citizen of Wuhan. Since the coronavirus breakout, for me personally, I first felt everything ranging from fear, anxiety, anger, and despair. Now it's been quite some time, and I think I calmed down and made peace with it. I tried to adjust my mental status and have learned to live with the situation. But of course, I was compelled to get along with it. Not that anyone likes to live with it. The pandemic has many folds of impact in my life. Small things like not being able to go outside. There's no shortage of food or anything. But staying indoors completely for three months was quite a torture for me. 然后大一点的事情呢，嗯，比如说我的妻子。Bigger things like my wife is a doctor, and still she had to go to hospitals every day. 直接面对这个新冠疫情的。Even though she's not directly treating COVID-19 patients, but working inside a hospital environment still worried me gravely. 啊，还包比如说我的我父亲最近这两天要做一个手术，需要去做手术。我的父亲最近这两You need to go through a PCR test to enter a hospital, and once you're in there, you can't go in and out. So I told my father I can't go with him, and he has to go by himself. Fortunately, it's just a small operation. But I couldn't imagine how big of a deal it is for families that have other serious medical conditions in a time like this. Then, also, my company. 这个现在基本上是半停滞状态。Also, my own business has been suffering. Before the coronavirus hit, I had some contracts negotiated with my clients, but now changes have happened on the clients' end, plus difficulties on my end. A lot of these contracts are in limbo. So that's hard for me. My phone recently has a picture. The most recent photo from my phone was the one I took a few days ago when I went out to pick up some packages, but also to walk my dog. A tree inside our courtyard blossomed, and there were a dozen pink flowers. I told my dog to sit under that tree, and I took a picture of him with that tree. It's really pretty. Pink flowers with my dog's black and white. I shared the photo on social media and put a caption on top. Flowers are blooming. The spring is surely not too far away now.
Hello, my name is Anna and I'm nine years old. And my name is Gabriele and I'm 11. We both live in Rome. And when the coronavirus broke out in Italy, um, we were told to not go back to school. Uh, we thought at first, oh, it's a vacation. It's going to be so great. But then it started to be not so great because it was a lockdown and we couldn't see our friends. Um, we couldn't go back to school. We couldn't see our teachers. So our routine is in the morning. We in the beginning, we didn't find a routine. We didn't find we were all we didn't have homework. We were a little bit um, still confused about all this thing. And our parents were still very stressed and they were trying to find out a way like and uh, to find out how they can manage this and um, in the end they gave us homework and we found a routine so in the morning our mom we do homework with our mom until 12:30 because then she has to do she has to go to work because she's a psychologist and after lunch uh, in the in the afternoon we do a walk in our neighborhood near our neighborhood uh, with our dad um, near the Tiber River. We found this place where there's no one and it's safe. In the evening, we help our father cook dinner and we pick a good movie to see. So I'm feeling kind of sad to not see my friends and uh, I miss school. But I think in the end, when the coronavirus end is, ends, I think it's going to be in September. Um, I think we're going to start a new life, more careful. Um, it's going to be a wiser life. So I'm, uh, I should have finished fifth grade with my friends and with my teachers. But sadly, I, I, I didn't. So, but my, I calm myself. I, I have a sense of purpose drawing that, uh, that I like to do very much. But anyway, I see my friends on video lessons and I hope next year that I'm gonna be in sixth grade. It means new friends, new, new teachers and new school. I hope I can talk about this and learn from this experience with, with my friends. And I miss them, I miss them a lot. And, uh, but we're gonna hug and we're gonna see each other again very soon, I think. Amici, ciao a tutti da Amadeus. Beh, giustamente tutti noi ci stiamo informando su tutto quello che riguarda il coronavirus. E insieme ci sono delle regole fondamentali che dobbiamo osservare. Come per esempio lavarsi spesso le mani. È importantissimo. My name is Ross Armstrong. Um, I'm a junior civil servant and I work for the UK Foreign and Commonwealth Office.
So I guess being a civil servant and working for the FCO, I'm in a pretty privileged position that I'm still working and that uh, I'm in a position to take part in the COVID response. Um, I live in the south of uh, the UK, a coast town called Brighton. Uh, It's really pretty, nice place. Brighton seems quite resigned to what's happened. Uh, It's really quiet out on the streets. Um, I'm going out for a cycle every day, cycling around. It's usually a really busy, touristy place. It's only an hour from London, so I have a lot of traffic. People come down from London for the weekend. Not seen a lot of that. Uh, So the roads have been really quiet. It's actually been quite nice to be able to cycle around, a lot less cars. Um, People being a bit more polite and considerate uh, out on the roads and the cycle paths and stuff. It's been really quiet as well, sound-wise, you know, not much. But, you know, there's still people... You know, there were some kids outside yesterday taking photos of themselves um, outside the train yard with like one of these big model cameras, and you know that does worry me a bit. Um, I've been working from home for over a month now, so that's not been particularly disruptive to me, and I'm very lucky that I've got a reasonable space to work in. I know that's not the case for quite a lot of people. Um, I've actually found it quite constructive and productive to be able to work work from home. I guess the disruptions which are suffering that my, my usual the stuff which I usually work on, which is arms control and disarmament, uh, is now um more steered towards COVID nineteen response. Um it's been more disruptive to my partner. She's a veterinary nurse and they're doing long shifts now, um and emergencies only at a animal hospital near here. Uh, so I don't think it's actually been too bad. Um, the last photo on my phone is a screenshot of uh, music on my phone on shuffle that I listen to when I'm cycling around. I guess the first track I listened to that day uh, was Doves by Future Islands. So, it's finally happened. That thing you were afraid of. Something's come from overseas and taken your jobs. Made it unsafe to walk the streets. Kept you trapped in your home. A dirty disease. Your proud nation gone. But not me. Or me. Or me. Or me. No, you clap for me now. You cheer as I toil. Bringing food to your family. Bringing food from your soil. Propping up your hospitals. Not some foreign invader. And the village driver. Teacher. Lifesaver. Don't say go home. Don't say not here. You know how it feels for home to be a prison. You know how it feels to live in fear. So you clap for me now. All this love you are bringing. But don't forget when it's no longer quiet. Don't forget when you can no longer hear the birds singing. Or see clear waters. That I cross for you. To make lives filled with peace. And bring peace to your life too. Come all you Gretas. You Malalas. You immigrants. See what we have learned. It only takes the smallest thing. To change the world.
My name is Zade Bansu. I'm in Lagos, Nigeria. How does the pandemic look or feel like? Um, it feels very real. We have a total lockdown. We're in week three of the lockdown. We've had incidents of marauding gangs of 20, 30, up to 50 people or more who've been robbing neighborhoods. The police has tried to intervene with no success, so um, local residents have resorted to protecting themselves. They form vigilante groups. They go out at night with machetes and knives trying to protect their lives and their properties. We've heard of incidents of people being robbed um, on their way from the markets back home. This is in broad daylight, being robbed of their food items, um, their money, their phones. So it's very, very real. Um, Lagos has a population of about 20 million and about 60 to 70% of our population are self-employed. So you can imagine people not making money, um, people not being able to go to work. It's um, very, very troubling times and people are obviously very desperate. So yeah, we're hoping that the government will intervene, but to be very honest, we don't expect much from them. The palliative measures they've put in place are not really helping at all. Um, they just get, distribute um, little food items here and there, and that's about it. We have a government that um, has left us in a state of desperation. Our healthcare service is extremely poor, and um, we don't feel like they're, they're up to the task. Also, the testing hasn't been great. We have um, about 300 registered cases, 300 plus registered cases. The, the tests are currently at 1,500 um, nationwide um, per day. Considering that we have a population of 200 million, that is absolutely nothing. So yeah, very grim times. That's how this pandemic looks like. And yeah, we can only hope for the best. It's not hugging, not touching. You have not heard of Corona. <laughs> <laughs> See this one, it's already coughing. Hi, my name is Stacy Libokmeto, and I am an expat living in Chiang Mai, Thailand. So, the pandemic. Um, I feel like we have been very aware of COVID-19, the coronavirus, since the very beginning, Thailand and China have a very close connection. The number one tourists here, or the highest population of tourists here, are from China. So when things shut down in China, you immediately saw it here, especially in like the main tourist areas. I take Thai classes here in an area called Niman. It's this main road that's super touristy. All the tourists hang out there. It caters to tourism. Going there pretty regularly, I saw a huge difference right away. 
suddenly you could walk down the street a lot more freely. Uh, traffic in Chiang Mai is terrible. It's some of the worst traffic in the world. And suddenly it was super easy to get to places. Instead of being behind these huge buses or big tour groups, you saw all these white faces that weren't Chinese, people from America. You could hear them <laughs> in the crowds, or not even in the crowds. Um, French people, German people. Suddenly you were seeing like everybody except for the Chinese. And I think it's because right away they were like, this is serious. And they just stop traveling, stop moving, or even the people that were Chinese that live here in Chiang Mai instantly went into their own sort of self-quarantine mode. Right now, we have a curfew that goes from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. It's been very strange at night. If you're out at 9 o'clock, I live on this really cool street, or I live off of it. I think it's cool because it has food carts up and down. They're super cheap and super good. So much good food. Like one stand will just be grilled meat. One stand will just be buns and dumplings. One stand will just be fruit smoothies. One stand will be sushi. Tons of Thai food, of course. And usually at night, it's super busy. doesn't matter what day of the week that it is. But now when you walk down the street, it's so dark. It's so quiet. Nine o'clock, people are packing up, heading out. That's been very different because Chiang Mai has this very lively feel to it that has always sort of reminded me of when I lived in New York. And it's more laid back now. I will be going grocery shopping soon. When I go out, I will put on a mask because you have to put on a mask. And when I go to the place that I go, there will be a security guard there who will check my temperature to make sure that I am under 38 degrees Celsius. And if I pass that, they'll direct me to hand sanitizer. Then I'll go to the main entrance of the grocery store where they will take my temperature again and then direct me to a cart that has been sanitized by the person that works there and that's their job just to sanitize everything because they're just constantly cleaning here. Uh, when I check out, the people will have plastic face shields and hand sanitizer right next to them. It just really feels like everybody's sort of working together to help protect one another and that feels very nice and I am very thankful for that. We have an important message for all of you, especially if you live in a country that is right now facing the new coronavirus. The pandemic is growing exponentially in many countries. But the Czech Republic is one of the few in Europe that has significantly slowed down the spread of the virus. 
In this video, we would like to tell you what we did differently. And mainly, we would like to help you to do the same. Oi, eu sou o Arthur. Eu sou da cidade de São Paulo, no Brasil. Agora, no momento, estou fazendo a minha palavra cruzada. Hey, everyone. I am Arthur. I'm from Brazil. I'm 28 years old. And I live in the city called São Paulo. It's a really huge city. And things here are getting crazy nowadays because of the pandemic. So, basically, I live with my boyfriend and we are doing a lot of stuff. We are sharing the same place, so it's sometimes it's kind of difficult because our apartment is kind of small, but we are managing. E ultimamente, nessa quarentena, eu tenho trabalhado de casa. Lately, I've been working from home. E durante o meu tempo livre. And during my free time. I've been doing some things to pass the time. Eu tenho feito algumas coisas, assistindo alguns filmes e séries, séries britânicos. Some light-hearted British reality television shows, which are quite good. Que são bons. We are very addicted in one specific series that's called Portrait Artist of the Year. É, tenho cozinhado, feito pães, feito bolos. E também tenho feito exercícios. I've also been cooking, making bread, cakes. And I've been doing some physical exercise here in my apartment. Um, like yoga. de casa, yoga. Que tem sido bom para relaxar e passar o tempo livre. Agora, no momento, estou fazendo a minha palavra cruzada. And right now, I'm at the table working on a crossword puzzle. We are having dinner now. So we are sitting at our table. And here in Brazil, it's very... Common during the 8:30 p.m., people protesting against the president. It became such a political thing, the whole pandemic, because he doesn't want the shutdown, and people think that's important, and other people think that's not important. So they are kind of protesting on their window because they cannot go out, of course. So basically people go to their windows and then hit some pots and pans and make such a huge noise. It's good actually. We are also supporting this attitude because we think it's kind of important to shut down and stay home for the group's health. Unfortunately, some people start to go out again At least people who is around me is responding good for the whole situation. They are staying home. It's been such a long time that I've not seen my friends. We are having some Zoom together, which is good. We are playing some games online. And we are trying to find another ways to connect ourselves. Fortunately, I have my boyfriend with me. I know some people are alone and it's kind of harder when you don't have anyone to relate to. São Paulo is kind of polluted city, so the sky are being very blue these days and even when the sun goes down, 
it's very beautiful. We can see such a different colors that normally days we are not able to see because of the pollution. So it's good actually to know that you live in a city with such a beautiful sky and you've never noticed before. So I'm very happy and proud about it. Hey there, uh, my name is Paul and I'm calling from Zurich, Switzerland. Uh, right now I'm in my apartment, um, like many people who have called in probably. Uh, looking outside, it's been actually ever since there's been quarantine, the weather has been insanely nice. It's been like 75 degrees and sunny every day, um, which has made the quarantine a, a bit more difficult. Um, I'm looking outside my window uh, and there's actually a lot of people outside. All of the parks here are still open, so people are still kind of like hanging out and socializing at a distance. Uh, so I'm an American living in Switzerland, so the response from my community has been like here versus the United States is so different because here uh, people are pretty reasonable, but also quite relaxed about it. Um, actually, for the past week or so, the number of cases per day has been declining, so it looks like we're past the uh, peak. Yeah, here the attitude is not as panicked as my friends in the United States who have uh, really intense measures. Um, I also have a bunch of friends in Argentina and they have the most strict quarantine of all. They actually can't even leave to go running or hiking or anything. Um, they have to like uh, have a valid reason for being out and if they're stopped by the police and there's no valid reason they can get arrested. It's pretty extreme. There's nothing like that happening in Zurich for sure. Uh, so I realize that in the grand scheme of things there are bigger issues than what I'm about to describe but um, like just in so many ways. But uh, I'm really not doing well with the working from home thing. I'm like yelling at all my coworkers, burning a lot of bridges, uh, passing many points of no return. Um, I just get like even more irritable than usual, which uh, <clears throat> is already like my baseline is pretty high already. So um, yeah, it's just not a good, not like um, no, no positive relationships are being built at work during quarantine. Uh, one thing that is very Switzerland is that um, you could they, there's an app where you can buy groceries for for senior citizens who like don't want to go to the grocery store, uh, and I signed up for it, but the demand isn't high enough because there's like so many volunteers and not enough people, so I haven't actually had the chance to buy groceries for anybody. <laughs> um, so things sometimes work a, bit, a little bit too well here. So if I have to recommend some media to you. Uh, I think, first and foremost, the 1990 classic Misery by the Stephen King novel of the same name, starring uh, Kathy Bates. It's uh, very good. It will, it's uh, kind of related to the theme of social isolation. Highly recommended, satisfying ending. Um, and then if I could recommend a piece of music, it would be uh, Tchaikovsky's first piano concerto, which actually features prominently in the movie Misery. Um, which is one of the great uses of classical music in horror movies. So uh, I specifically recommend the performance by Martha Argerich. Um, yeah, so Misery and Tchaikovsky's first. The bad news is that everyone is a potential victim. But the good news is that everyone is a potential solution. 
Sensitize the masses to sanitize. Keep a social distance and quarantine. Hi, this is Billy from Mexico City. Um, I am a DJ. I have a company for weddings and events. So basically, my I am jobless right now during the pandemic. Uh, my job consists of uh, DJing events and weddings. Uh, the situation is very complicated in Mexico because we don't have any support from our government. Uh, taxes has have been paid as normal and as the same as in the u.s we pay taxes during april and i had to pay my taxes even though i i've had no income for the last month another line of my business is music curation for for bars and restaurants and that as well is on a complete stop uh, obviously restaurants are closed for now and uh, there's also a huge concern in mexico if they will re reopen because there is no support from our government right now. There's no support for, for restaurants or, or any small businesses that are not uh, related to the president's uh, popular approval rate. So people with uh, middle-class people, upper middle-class people uh, are not getting any support from the government. So basically our, our, our situation is, is really bad. Uh, we have uh, the worst kind of leaders right now making decisions for their own approval rate rather than for the economic benefit of the whole country. What I've been doing lately is pretending, well, not pretending, but I'm acting as if there is still work for me. I've been doing uh, a lot of uh, music curation for when the restaurants uh, reopen. Uh, as you can see in the picture, that's uh, some of my DJing equipment. That's a Traktor uh, S5. I've been doing, I've been producing a little bit of music, something for my own personal entertainment. And uh, that post, that, that picture I sent it to a friend. I was showing him how I'm, I am listening to Fiona's Apple latest, latest uh, album. So, well, uh, either way, uh, the situation in, 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 in Mexico is, is not at all uh, good. It's actually way worse than, than what the newspapers are showing. I live in Roma Norte, and uh, it's a centric neighborhood with all kinds of businesses. Uh, lots of informal uh, businesses, you know, taco puestos and all kinds of street stuff. And actually, this week started to getting a little bit more normal. I see a lot more people walking in the streets. But that's not because the situation is better. That's because people need to work. They don't have 
any other income than whatever they do for for a living and and people cannot afford to stay at home so that's the real difference between mexico and first world countries people cannot afford to stay at home so it's it's really a, a completely different beast as in the states as in new york or or other uh first world cities so people are going to get sick and, and the situation is going to get even worse plus uh add to that that the, our government does not believe in testing so uh all the information you get from mexico is actually way way off from the reality so that's what i'm telling you that uh the newspapers do not have real information so the situation in mexico is critical Hello, my name is Eri Yoshimura. I live in Nakano World in Tokyo. Although my area is just five minutes away from Shinjuku or Shibuya, it's a quiet residential area, not much changed, even after the decretion emergency. There is a private school next to my house, and I used to hear the sound of students playing. However, I don't hear the children's voices anymore. It's been very quiet since the school closed in March. Right now, I only go grocery shopping once a week, and the only person I see is my husband. I seclude myself at home. I can't see my sister or my aunt, but we encourage each other over the phone, not just through email. It's important to be careful, and it's also important not to get depressed. I exercise by stretching and dancing. I also started studying things that have always interested me. I try to study every day to refresh my mind. I stay home. I will be patient for now because I don't want to hurt someone.手洗いはまず石鹸を泡立てながら手のひら同士をよくこすり合わせます。次に両手の甲をこすり洗い。その後指の間を洗います。さらに親指と手のひらをねじり洗いでよく洗います。Hello, my name is Winnie Gaspard. I am over here in Haiti. A couple of weeks ago, we had our first cases of COVID-19. And since then, everything has been very complicated and it's a very stressful situation for everybody, including myself. Um, as I was telling my friend the other day, the other countries, they are fighting COVID-19, but us in Haiti, we are fighting COVID-19 and everything else. Like we have all the issues that you can actually think of. For example, um, the students, they still don't know when it's gonna be okay for them to go back to school. And they're not taking any online classes because the majority of the population don't have access to internet. So they're just home doing nothing 
and um, waiting on the government to tell them what's going to happen. And um, I am still seeing a lot of people in the streets. I am still seeing a lot of people taking tap-taps, which is um, our main public transportation in Haiti. Um, you will actually see 14 to 16 people in that one little small pickup truck going places, um, not wearing a mask. Like some people will tell you straight up, the virus is not in Haiti, they're not going to wear a mask. Um, some cannot afford it really because the average price for one mask in Haiti is um, $2, two US dollars, which is 40 Haitian dollars. Um, which is quite expensive for one mask. Um, some people refuse to stay home. It's like they don't really have a choice because if they do, um, they will starve to death and, you know, they cannot let that happen. And Haiti is the is one of those countries where you have to cook every day. It's not like you can go out one day, shop for the next two weeks and put all the stuff in your fridge. We cannot do that because... We don't have electricity. Like, I am lucky enough to have a couple of hours of electricity every other day in my area. But some people, they don't have electricity at all. Because our president here in Haiti is known for not telling us the truth about stuff. So whenever he says something about COVID-19 or the prime minister talks about the virus, people will tell you straight up, if the president... And the prime minister said it. It's not true. Not being able to trust our leaders. The, the people were here to tell us what to do, what's going on, what's, what's going to happen. Um, it's, it's not easy. I am trying to tell people that what we are dealing with right now is real. And what's coming might be worse, but they don't, they don't seem to, to understand that. Um, we do have a curfew here in Haiti at 8 p.m. And um, it will be 10, 11 p.m. And you'll hear people in the streets driving and walking. So it's, it's not easy to, to deal with um, everything that is going on here. Hello, my name is Leila Daya and I'm currently based in Nairobi, Kenya. Um, I have been in quarantine since the 16th of March, so it's about a month now. I would say that for me personally, quarantine sounds quiet it feels it feels almost otherworldly because um, I haven't really been leaving my house and when I do there's not as many people on the streets not many cars on the street so it it feels quiet is what I would say but I also know that corona feeling quiet to me in this quarantine situation is just because you know of where I live and I wouldn't be able to say the same for people who live in underprivileged areas um, due to the escalation of police violence and so I think that's quite unfortunate that for me it does sound quiet. Quarantine has changed my life 
by the way that it's shown me that as much as I am an extrovert, that I am capable of staying indoors and not losing my mind, which is what I thought um, would be happening. And so it's been sort of refreshing to find that I can spend this time on my own and be okay. Um, and I think that coming out of it, it's something that I will pursue a lot more, having experienced it before. And so I'm quite grateful for this lesson to know that I'm okay with being by myself, that I can amuse myself, that I can have fun by myself. Not that I didn't before, but just for extended periods to know that that's something that I can do. Um, and yeah, those are my thoughts on quarantine. Hi, my name is Judy and I'm currently recording this message from Kilkenny um, in Ireland. Um, I've spent my early years of my life in New York, but I've lived here in Ireland since I was a teenager. Where I live is very rural, though not necessarily on a farm, but a little village about 25 minutes away from any city. So normally the area is very quiet. Um, however, since we began our lockdown on the 13th of March, when the schools were officially closed, our neighborhood is quieter than usual, as there are very few to any cars passing through and the usual kids playing outside are now indoors, probably driving their parents crazy like mine are. Um, but anyway, in Ireland overall, we've been quite fortunate in regards to the numbers affected with COVID-19. As of last night, we had 486 deaths and over 13,000 cases. But that being said, the country is in relative lockdown and lots and lots of things have changed, especially within our culture. As I'm sure many people across the world witnessed, one of the biggest shocks to all of this occurred in the early days um, when our pubs and bars were closed for St. Patrick's Day um, and they have not yet been reopened. While I'm not playing into any Irish drinking stereotypes, this was a major knockback to our economy and our tourism industry. And the closures have um, certainly challenged many Irish traditions, especially going for a chat and a few pints. But we're adjusting and as a community, many people are coming together for each other. As an American uh, citizen and as someone with many close family members in New York, I find the uncertain climate particularly difficult as we cannot make plans to travel and see one another, a habit we usually like to commit to um, twice a year. But when said like that, I guess I am reminded that my sacrifice during this pandemic pales very small in comparison to those of many others, especially the healthcare profession, who we are all greatly indebted to here in Ireland, as I'm sure is the case all over the world. But by trade, I'm a historian and I'm currently a PhD researcher in Trinity College. So I'm really interested in social history and the history of medicine um, and people more generally. But with that frame of mind, I'm constantly making connections between this pandemic and the Spanish flu of 1918, which was estimated to kill over 50 million people worldwide. And I'm sure people have seen the photos going viral on social media of people from that period wearing masks and newspaper cuttings that have turned up showing the social distancing measures they attempted to put in place um, 100 years ago. So I think it's really, really useful to bear all that in our minds because when we think about what we're going through now, it reminds us, or me anyway, of how grateful we are to have modern communication, such as the internet, which enables us to live collectively and globally throughout this pandemic and undoubtedly saves lives and keeps people safer. 
So uh, during a time when it may be tempting to point blame at others and at other countries, it's important, I think, for us to remember that such globalness is what will get us through this quicker and stronger. Um, with that being said, I think I'll just let the let you hear what's going outside my window at the moment. Um, we live in a little cul-de-sac and there's local neighbours outside power hosing everyone's walls and doing a bit of gardening. We've had um, unseasonably good weather here, so people are making the most of it in their gardens. Thanks. Stay safe. Hi, I'm Ohad Rosen here in Tel Aviv, Israel. Before the quarantine, I used to go to my office in the heart of Tel Aviv every morning and walk from there all day long. After working hours, me and my spouse Zidani used to go to the gym two or three times a week, to the movies or theater, or just to hang out with friends in one of the local bars. For the past month, we were locked in our home. Both Zidani and myself work from our home office, and our cultural life is based on what's new in Netflix and Amazon Prime. We haven't met with friends and family in person for over a month, but replaced it with Zoom video meetings. Both of us are lawyers. I'm a partner in an Israeli law firm named Kalai Rosen and Co, specializing in commercial litigation and class actions. So it is pretty easy to work online from home. The Israeli legal system adapted shortly and started broadcasting the court hearings online. Actually, Idani is going to appear in the Supreme Court this Monday, and I'll be watching him from home. In early January, we've been in northern Italy in a ski vacation. This is the first time we heard about this virus started to spread in China, but we didn't pay much attention. Unbelievably, three months later, the entire world is locked down and Italy suffered thousands of victims. It seems that it will take a while until we can go back to normal, especially to travel. We had a short vacation planned in early April to Cyprus to celebrate my birthday, but it was obviously cancelled because of the situation. As far as it seems here, the airlines will not start to operate flights regularly in the coming weeks or even months. Like all the world, we here also wish that this absurd and weird situation will end shortly and we can get back to normal life, although I must admit that I find it enjoyable to spend my days with Idani here at home. That's all from Tel Aviv. Uh, hello, my name is Hosna and I'm uh, sending this from Tehran, Iran. The corona crisis has been a totally unexpected and a com uh, completely uh, surreal event for everyone around the world. It took us all by surprise. We never thought we would see a day where we would be forced to let go of some of the most basic aspects of our physical and spiritual lives. For example, our socializing, our friends and our family, our favorite cafes, our jobs our life foods and uh, many other things. Um, personally speaking, uh, this uh, crisis coincided with uh, my uh, divorce being finalized um, and the start of a totally new chapter of my life in a new apartment. After two weeks at home alone, I finally managed to see a couple of friends, 
seeing them on Nestle felt like uh, fresh air, like a spring, like uh, life itself. These days have uh, provided me with uh, the opportunity to really reflect in my uh, solitude and uh, prepare me to cope effectively uh, with the lonely days ahead of me. Thank you, bye-bye. This is Stefan Christoph in Montreal, and um, this is a letter to you at Brooklyn, USA podcast. We're about six hours north of you if you drive fast uh, across the Canadian border uh, here in Montreal. This city, of course, has been affected seriously by the pandemic. It's not to the same levels that we see in New York. My heart is with you, thinking of you all in New York in all the boroughs. And with those thoughts, I wanted to share a bit about what's been happening here. Two issues and two struggles that are ongoing. One is with homelessness and poverty. A lot of people on the streets uh, are becoming impacted by COVID-19. And I think it's really important to think about um, that issue. One organization that has been working hard to support homeless people, uh, particularly indigenous people struggling with poverty and homelessness, is Resilience Montreal. Um, that's an organization in the west end of the city, and uh, they've been working hard to support people on the streets. They do a daily meal service where people gather. I've been there a few times to volunteer to support uh, at the food service and also with the cleaning and disinfecting. Um, I think it's a really important community organization. And it speaks to one of the myths about Canadian society as a just society, because of course, like the United States, a history of genocide and colonialism shapes so much of this place, not only historically, but today. So Resilience Montreal is doing amazing work to support people on the streets and particularly Indigenous people. So shout out to Resilience Montreal. Look them up. Uh, they are taking donations if you want to support. Another um, issue that has come up that I'd like to share um, has been the uh, hunger strike of immigrants detained here in Montreal region. Uh, they're in Laval, which is just north of Montreal, at a center called the Centre de Prévention d'Immigration au Canada, so that's literally translates to the Center for Prevention of Immigration to Canada. And that's an institution run by the federal government uh, in Ottawa under Justin Trudeau's liberals. Families are detained in this space. And detainees launched a hunger strike to draw attention to the issues and the danger that detainees are facing behind locked doors and bolted windows. So I wanted to share the voice of one of the um, detainees speaking about their reasons why they joined a hunger strike. We are the detainees in the Laval detention. First, I would like to thank you all supporters for the, their great support, particularly the supporters that were in front of the Laval detention yesterday, blowing their horn day four. Nothing has really changed. Doctor visit and we are still standing strong for our right and freedom. 
thank you. And in fact, some detainees were released after this hunger strike. It was supported strongly by a community organization in Montreal called Solidarity Across Borders org if you want to look them up. It's been a pleasure to share these um, reflections with you. Um, I'm Stefan Christophe in Montreal, and I'd say just personally, um, luckily, I'm in a home and warm. Uh, it's still cold here. So one thing I've really been trying to do is make soups and share them with my neighbors. Uh, that's been a really meditative thing and something that although I can't see my neighbors it allows me to sustain a bond so take care everybody hi everyone we are stopped down we are shut down in the house for the for the for the virus called corona coronavirus or what do they call it all I want to say to the world is this. Jesus, if it is time, just please come now. Just come and pack all of us. All this crisis is not necessary. Please, you are loving Father. Just come and take us. We cannot move around. No food. Even though daddy, egg to buy. No in the store. No water, no toilet, no nothing. Jesus, please. They send now and take all of us. Everybody's ready. Let's go. Hi, my name is Vajiha Nakvi and I'm speaking during the coronavirus lockdown all the way from Karachi, Pakistan. As one of the largest and most populous cities in the world, I cannot help but think of the devastation that has yet to fully unfold. How does one live in a world where uncertainty is the new normal? But then again, I have little to complain compared to many other people in my city. I live in an affluent neighborhood working from the comfort of my own home and connected to friends and family across the world. Given my experience and privilege, do I even have the right to stress? Should I feel guilty if I don't? The highlight of my day is spent in a music class online with my teacher, who I refer to as an ustad in Urdu, who lives eight kilometers away in the same city. Even though the nature of this art form demands physical presence, we have managed to recreate a virtual bond of learning and communication. Ankan ko eri sakhiri more piya ghar aaye charan laga He cradles his 11-month-old daughter his 7-year-old son suddenly arrives to plant an innocent kiss on his father's cheek I smile from across the screen these are small moments of happiness that we share in a very specific space and time. How exciting to be able to adapt, but how long can this last? Similar stories of pain and joy cycle from dawn to dusk through day and night, feelings that blend into each other like undulating waves in a sea of non-linear time. Interestingly, these fluctuating thoughts are similar to the musical tones that are meant to convey a spectrum 
of moods and emotions foundational to the music of the subcontinent and to the music that I'm learning. And yet, it is within the pendulum of the past and future, in the middle of this difficult dance of hope and despair, between extreme moments of knowing and not knowing, that one might, just might, be able to momentarily hold on to a unique balance where one can both be fully aware but also submit to the ambiguity and uncertainty of what we presently call life. Hi, my name is Maryam Barghouti and I'm recording this from Ramallah, Palestine. It was March and a lockdown was underway. Us Palestinians are accustomed to lockdowns, from the military-imposed curfews ordered by Israel to the checkpoints that randomly closed, making movement a challenge. But we were always up to the challenge, because we had entire lives to live. As the lockdown started, first schools, then cafes and restaurants, then it was everything, so did the unearthing of our Intifada diaries. The days of the uprisings in the 80s and early 2000s, where the general narrative is about stories of imprisonment, torture, blood, helplessness, grief, loss, but also resilience, community, overcoming, remaining. With that, our collective trauma from days past began to slowly rise. As we remembered the tragic realities, we were also searching for solutions, for moments of overcoming, for the reminder that if we still made it then, and are making it now despite the military-imposed occupation, we can surely make it through a pandemic. We just have to stay home, right? Days and weeks pass by. I begin to realize that the call to prayer is different these days. It is a recitation of Quran verses asking God to safeguard us, to support us. Even as someone that does not pray, I found myself at my knees. The only other time I found myself reaching out to God was in an Israeli prison cell in April 2014. I prayed that it would end, that I can see my family and loved ones, that the shackles on my feet are released. This feels a lot like solitary. The lockdown continues, death tolls and infection rates rising. We realize our health sector in Palestine has been so crippled by the occupation that if we didn't flatten the curve, it's devastating for our collective community, but also for our yearning to be a free people. I screamed a lot. My friends screamed. We cried. We broke down. We had days where we would laugh through screens and phone calls, but mostly we're still screaming. It's difficult. In trying to minimize leaving the house, I find myself returning to all the tricks my mom used during the Intifada days. Dry your leaves, juke leaves, mint leaves, rosemary, and sage. My mother always told me to be careful with my herbs. It's not a joke, Miriam. They are a medicine she would emphasize. If your stomach hurts, use sage and avoid the mint. For spinach, grape leaves, green beans, freeze them, but boil the beans first. Also make sure you have flour and salt. You can do so much with flour. There was so many guidelines, but I kept thinking, mama got through the curfews with three children and a husband who was banned from entry by Israel. This should be okay. We want to survive, but have you seen what the Israelis are doing? A friend's voice tells me through the phone. It's so terrifying to know that even if, as Palestinians, we manage to do the right things, the fact that we still have an occupation puts the odds even more against us. 
We have soldiers throwing Palestinian labor workers to the street when they're suspected of having corona. They're still carrying out military house raids, demolishing clinics in the Jordan Valley, and settlers are beating up Palestinians who are camping only to also torch their cars. And then there is Gaza. Dear Gaza, I keep thinking about the smell of the sea when I visited last September. It was disgusting. And then the overcrowded spaces, the yellow water that I couldn't even use to brush my teeth, and a young man telling me that Gaza was ready to be buried. And this was before a pandemic. It's terrifying. There's no time to process. No opportunity to protest. No chance to be together. And we are only human. We're going to get bored and tired and in need of some social interaction. In the Intifada days, it was that social interaction that got us through it. Community support and sharing. We don't have that now. What we have is a virus that does not discriminate and a brutal occupation that discriminates far too well, and millions of lives wedged between. In Palestine, the pandemic collides with our struggle to live in dignity and peace. It brings out the unreconciled trauma and very real and very terrifying emphasis that our fate is still dictated by Israel, whether we like it or not. And even in the midst of a pandemic, we are not given a break. So we are left disoriented, alert on all fronts, and in need for any win, even if it is successfully drying some mint leaves. My name is Hania and I'm over here in Down Under and Sydney, Australia, the land of koalas and kangaroos and British and barbecue and outdoors. Uh, life has not quite been the same lately in Australia, I guess like many other places around the world due to the COVID-19 global pandemic. I've got a day off today actually, unusual in my day off you would find me out and about um, having a nice brunch in one of my favourite cafes. But um, because of the lockdown, that's clearly off the table. So I've spent the day, you know, at the, in the house, just trying to rest and unwind and get things done around the house, which is still quite nice because I'm a healthcare worker and just to be able to have that time off away from work every now and then is quite nice, especially during these times. I actually work in one of Australia's biggest hospitals, and interesting to know that this. Uh, my place of work has been the very first hospital in the entire country that the very first confirmed case of COVID-19 was brought into for treatment and quarantine a few months ago. I work in oncology department. My job is to conduct and manage clinical trials for patients who often have advanced stage cancer. So I think... You know, given this pandemic, um, one of the things that's been constantly on my mind the past month and a half has been, what if I catch this virus and I don't show any symptoms and I go to work and I pass it on to these patients? Because, you know, I consider myself relatively healthy and fit and I'm under um, younger age group side of things with this. And you can easily catch the virus and show no symptoms. You can be completely asymptomatic for up to 10 days over a week. So that's been a constant worry for me 
because these are the very same patients that we do everything that we can every day to save their lives and treat their cancer. It's just an added stress to my already long list of stresses because I have family and friends who live in the cities where they've been hit really hard with this pandemic. And a month and a I think about a month ago, a month and a half ago, you know, I woke up one day and I thought, what can I do to calm my mind? And as always, my first thought was literature. You know, writing and reading has always been my refuge throughout my lifetime. So I've been doing a lot of writing and reading lately. Listening to classical music has been a great help because I love classical music and also my favorite movie soundtracks as well. And um other thing that's been quite helpful just to cope during this time has been just sharing some information, you know, using my small platform, which is my very personal Instagram. It's not a public page, it's a private page, and it's got a limited number of followers who are my family and friends. But because I come from a scientific background and I've got a scientific mindset, which is all about accurate information and, you know, facts and fact-checking, you know, and I thought there's so much information out there about this virus and about the possibility of a vaccine and clinical trials and treatments. And I wanted to shed some light on this from a scientific perspective and just share some information just to raise awareness that why is it so important for everyone to do their part, you know, just to tackle this crisis right now. And it's quite comforting when I received feedback from family and friends, most of them don't come from a medical background, that they have found my stories on a daily basis informative and helpful. So that's been a good way kind of like, you know, to try to cope with this. And um, last but not, but not least, watch your movies. You know, I have always loved cinema and movies. I love the way that the stories are told through movies. And one of my absolute all-time favorites is The Lord of the Rings, which I have this tradition that I watch it from the beginning till the end every Easter break. And I just did that last weekend during the Easter. And I just can't help but I just have this conversation between Mr. Frodo and Gandalf keep repeating in my head when Mr. Frodo says, I wish none of this had happened. And Gandalf says, so do I, and so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. Todo listo. Hora de lavarnos las manos con jabón. ¿Qué hice con nuestro jabón? Ah, sí, aquí está. Está resbaloso. Atrápalo. Atrápalo. So, my name is Raquel, and I'm sending this message from Santiago de Chile. So, we're calling Pancho. What time is it in Berlin? At night? Yeah. But he's gonna answer. He called me like 10 minutes ago. Or if he's not uh, answering me now, he's gonna call back. Maybe he's in the bathroom? 
maybe. <laughs> and I'm here with my cousin Maria. I haven't seen her since I've been stuck in my home. She's officially like my neighbor, so we do see each other from like the other side of the fence. But um, she's supposed to be in Berlin, but she got stuck here. Hi, uh, my name is Maria. Um, yes, I am supposed to be in Berlin right now, but all of the flights in Chile to the other to other countries uh, were cancelled uh, until the first of May. So I had to stay here for one month, and it's crazy because I am in my parents' house, but they are not here, and I came for visiting them. So it's quite strange to be just like quite alone in the my parent place because they are doing quarantine in the middle of nowhere in a small house in the in countryside. The countryside. Yeah. So it has been really weird, like feeling out from everywhere and not really in Chile or in Berlin or yeah. I don't know. Feel like it's. It's, it was so unexpected and yeah. <laughs> I had to come here unexpectedly as well, like on one of the last flights from Barcelona. How was that? I guess it wasn't as stressful as I thought it would be because we were the only ones in the airport. It was, the plane was full of people or do you had like specific uh, rules or like space between no, each seat? No, it was seat? pretty full because it was like one of the last flights. Man. How do you feel about not being able to go back? Because you have your boyfriend there. You have your yeah, job there. Yeah, it's super crazy. My boyfriend's, uh, so I arrived on the fi 5th of March and I was one week here doing home office. Then I had supposed to have uh, two weeks of holidays and then go back. And in the first week of holidays that I had, we were uh, we, uh, we already started being in quarantine. And my boyfriend calls me alone from Berlin that he was super sick. And he calls to the hospital. And in the hospital, the the, the people said that maybe he had a coronavirus or maybe not but in the both cases he can't go in that moment to the hospital because it was full um, so he was he was like for 10 days alone in the apartment uh, like five of that days he was super sick uh, no contact some of my friends bring them bring him some food out of the apartment but it was horrible and I think now that I have my ticket I don't know if he's gonna go uh, to Berlin or he's gonna be cancelled but I am quite relaxed now that I know that I can't do anything else like just wait for the first flight that it's going so yeah but it 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 took me like three weeks to realize that there was no choice to go back. But that's it. Yeah, it could be worse. Mm -hmm. I can't say anything because I am in the really, really nice place doing quarantine. I am a privileged... Uh, privileged. Privileged. 
So I just can't say thank you for being here. to tune in to what they're saying every day. But they're always there. <laughs> I can't figure out what they're complaining about today. But tomorrow they're planning a family cookout out in the yard. Beautiful day in Guyana, Sunday. Sun shining, the air is fresh. We not locked in, but we hope it don't come we wait, you know. We got elections, virus, and we got the coronavirus. Both of them can't come we wait at the same time. It's here, but not as that, you know. So, some nice culture music. Like I said, the air is fresh. Take the boys downtown today to watch the protests for democracy. One love, Guyana. Brooklyn USA is produced by me, Sasha Mathias. And me, Emily Bogosian. And me, Shireen Barri. And me, Charlie Hoxie. And me, Carol Palmer. And me, Ross Tuttle. And me, Sriyanka Ray. And me, Mayimi Sato. With help this week from Brick Radio Junior Meteorologist Griff City, Taylor Cook, Lauren Germain, Taha Ahmed, Carla, Marin Dagnew, Inigo, Piotr, Lana, Gabriele, Ross Armstrong, Dade Bansu, Stacey Liebuk Matteo, Arthur, Vaughn, Billy, Simulaidis, Winnie Gaspard, Mark Chomis, Leila Daya, Judy, Ohad Rosane, Tosna, Stefan Christoph, Ajiha Nakvi, Mariam Barbuti, Hania, Raquel, Bridget Nazimoli, Lucy Rakabuba, Santiago, Peter Klaps, an anonymous caller in Wuhan, an expat in Ecuador, my uncle sit in Guyana, Bantu, and Entranye Torenzo, who provided original music for the episode. They say it takes a village, and this one certainly did. So from the bottom of our hearts, thank you to Ethan Liu, Daniel Rios, Shiji Awoyinka, Anna Catalan, Ilya Schnitzer, Arthur and Jamie, Marion and John, Ellen, Jessica Lander, Allison and Santi, Yonatan Rosen, Dave Mark, Jack Barrett, and Ellen Barrett for helping us reach out to the whole wide world so that we could bring it all home to Brooklyn. If you want to leave us a message, check the show notes for a link to our handy guide to recording a voice memo and sending it into the show. 
But if you'd rather reach out the old-fashioned way, you can always call us at 917-719-0021 and tell us your name, where you're calling from, how to reach you, and anything else you want to get off your chest. We're here when you need us, and we can't wait to hear from you. If you like what you hear, comment, like, share, and subscribe, and follow at BrickTV Maybe there on Twitter are more and Instagram for updates. Cool PSAs for more information from around on this, the world that and we can slip in at brickartsmedia.org. Yeah. Initial Google search says there was a catchy one from Vietnam. Sick. There's a really fun one from Iran, too, but it doesn't have a voice. Unfortunately, it's very visual. But, um... Sorry, I'm now just, like, looking for international COVID PSAs. (laughs) That's all I want to say. There's Uh, a Japanese one that's really cool. I want to see it. (laughs) It's in the the link, Mayumi. If you click on the the chat, you'll see. Okay. Oh, <laughs> I see. Oh, but this Japanese one is wrong. It says 15 seconds. It should be. It's supposed to be 20 seconds. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> that's great. Maybe that's why the cases are going back up. <laughs>